Aren't you glad we serve a God that keeps on giving? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 17? 1 Chronicles chapter 17. For those that know my family, I'll give you a little family, uh, what is going on now in their lives. Uh, my wife is doing much better. Thank you for praying for her. And then uh, my oldest daughter, Callie, some of you know my daughter, Callie. She has just started first grade. No, not taking first grade, teaching first grade, that is. And so she is uh, at Filer Elementary School. My son, Bryce, he's... Uh, he is in his senior year as a civil engineer student, and he's currently working for Superior Engineering as an intern. Then my daughter Maddie, my daughter Maddie, she just uh, graduated in May from Crown as a cosmetologist, and she married an assistant pastor, and they're in Lenore City uh, Community Baptist Church, Tennessee. And then my daughter, my baby girl, who was born right here in Lattimore, North Carolina, she started nursing school, and so all of them are in uh, college or just out of college, but uh, we enjoyed our time here, and that's where everybody's at. Uh, as Brother Lucan said, we're just finishing up our 16th year in evangelism, and I said, I just think I'm getting older. You say, how do you know that? Bifocals. <laughs> I was preaching one day, Brother Spencer, and uh, I came upon this word in the Bible, and I couldn't really see. You know, like sometimes... There's not good lighting above the pulpit area. And it, I couldn't tell if it was call, ball, or y'all. I was pretty convinced it wasn't y'all because I've never read the word y'all in the Bible. So my wife says to me, you need glasses. I said, I do not need glasses. So you know you're getting old when you go on an anniversary trip to the eye doctor. Okay, write that down. That's when you know you're getting old, folks. And so I went in there without my glasses, because I didn't have any glasses at that time. And I said, all right, I'm here to satisfy my wife, to prove to her that I don't need glasses. And so I went in that little room, you know, and they like put this little metal device in front of you. And they're like, all right, which one's better? One or two. And then you do another lens, one or two. And I came out of that thinking, man, I just rocked that thing. So I was bragging on myself of how good I'd done. And sure enough, she, the doctor, comes up behind me. And I said, Doc, tell her. Tell her how, my, how good my glasses are. She said, you need bifocals. <laughs> I said, Doc, that can't be. She's like, it's the bee. <laughs> I said, man, I'm just getting old. So then I lost my hair. I don't know when that happened. <laughs> and get this, get this. I bought a motorhome. I'm in. I'm in the old person club. Amen. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you do those three things, you're in. And so uh, that's kind of like where we're at in life, but we're, we're enjoying it. How about that, all right? 49 and enjoying it. Going to be 50 here soon, but we're seeing how God is using our ministry and so thankful for it. This week, I pray that you would pray for us as I am with Brother Sam Mills. And boy, we're having a good start yesterday to the meeting and looking forward to seeing what God will do. First Chronicles chapter 17 is where we're at. How many of you have ever had a great idea? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. I mean, like, a, a, this is going to bring down the house kind of idea. Man, I tell you what, I've had a couple of those, and then I told my wife. Man, that great idea went down the tubes real fast. I mean, I thought this one was going to, I was going to retire on this one. You know what I'm saying? But I tell you what, sometimes our great ideas don't always work. Say, what are you talking about? We come upon 1 Chronicles chapter 17. David's got a great idea. 
You say, what is David's got great idea? Well, look what your Bible says. Look at verse number one. It says, now it came to pass as David sat in his house, uh, uh, David sat in his house, that David said to Nathan the prophet, lo, I dwell in the house of cedars. Can I tell you what he's really saying? Man, I got a nice pad. It's a nice little crib I got going on here. You know what I'm saying? House of cedars. That, that's what we're talking about. That, that was elaborate. That was, that was of the finest of the finest things. Look what he says, though. But the Ark of the Covenant, remember, back in the Old Testament, that represented the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord remaineth under curtains. Now, remember, at this time, the Ark of the Covenant was in the tabernacle. Can I just make it real simple? It was in a tent. How many of you enjoyed tent camping? All right, you're weird, all right? And you say, why is that? Well, you know, the first time you get that tent, it's nice, isn't it? I mean, it fits in that nice plastic bag. Only one time does it ever fit back in that bag. And so you take that thing out, and you know, you put the poles all together, and bada boom, bada bing, it springs up, bam, there it is. And you think, hey, this thing's like a hotel. It's got like two rooms. I mean, we got a room for the kids. We got the room for the mom and dad. This is great. And then what do you do? You put it all back and you try and stuff it in that bag. In the course of it, you poke a hole in it. You bring it out the next time and you think, hey, we're going to enjoy tent camping. Yeah, but it rained that night. Drip, drip, drip. Hey, that's called waterboarding. It's illegal. Don't be doing that to your family. Right? And so what happens? Then you fold it back up, you stuff it in the bag, it doesn't fit properly, you pop more holes, and before long, get it, this isn't enjoyable. Well, I think about this. For 40 years, you know what they did? They took the tabernacle, which was a tent, they folded it up, put it away, put it back up. Folded it down, set it back up. Folded it down every time they moved. They fold it down, sit back up. Can I tell you what happens to your tent? It gets worn. Doesn't look new anymore. Doesn't look nice. David's got a great idea. <laughs> Here it is. I am going to build a place for the presence of God to dwell. Hey, that sounds like a great idea. By the way, nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong. He deserves, God deserves that, doesn't he? Amen. I mean, this old ratty tent is nothing special. Let's get ourselves a nice place for the presence of God to dwell. Well, keep reading. So look what David does. The Bible says, Then Nathan said unto David, Do all that is in thy heart, for God is with thee. Oh, man. David goes to the preacher and says, Hey, preach. I got a great idea. I'm going to build a temple. I'm going to build a place for the presence of God to dwell. And Precious says, man, that's a good one. I wish I would have came up with that one. That's a great idea. But look at verse number three. He says, and it came to pass the same night that the word of God came to Nathan saying, verse four, go and tell David my servant, thus saith the Lord, Thou shalt, next word class, not build me a house to dwell in. 
This morning, I'd like to preach a message I've entitled, How to Properly Respond When God Says No. How to properly respond when God says absolutely, positively no. But before we get started, can we ask God to give us a hand? Father, you're a great God to us. Thank you so much for being such a good God to us. Lord, we heard some testimonies of your provision and your protection. And Lord, your goodness to these dear students here. But Father, if I were to be truthful with them this morning... Lord, if I would come to reality, there are times in which you tell us no. Father, I I know I struggle with that. Lord, I know some of these students here struggle with that. So Lord, this morning, would you teach us how to properly respond when God tells us no. And Father, we'll thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus, my precious Savior's name, amen. I have found through reading the scriptures that there's one of three options that God has to every request that I make to him. The first option is option A is simply yes. I love it when God says yes. How about you? I love it when God thinks what I think is right. Oh man, I really get excited about that. Man, I'm all on board. I am like 220, hammer down, let's get her done. But then the second option is not now. Now, be honest with you, I don't write, really like option two that much. I like option one. But not now, sometimes, get this, is hard to take. Why? Because it means you got to be willing to wait on God. Now, You probably can tell by my personality, I am not the poster child for waiting. That's not my quality, okay? Patience is not really my, like, virtue. It needs to be, but it's not, okay? I'm not real patient when it comes to that. And so I like it here and now. But the truth is, watch, every time I've decided to wait on God, it's always been better than what I could manipulate as results. Always. And so I have found as I've gotten older, remember when you get old, you can't respond as quickly. It's a benefit, all right? Can't hear as well, you can't see as well. It's just kind of how it goes. But the truth is, when I decide to wait on God, it always seems to be better than what I could do. But let me give you the third response. That is no. Now, I want you to understand, young people, this morning, That what David is asking has got nothing to do with sin. Did you hear me? God is always going to be against sin. So this message is not applicable to whether you want to look at porn or not, or whether you want to have a bad attitude or not, or whether you should study or not. It's got nothing to do with this, okay? That's called sin, What this has to do with is when God says no, watch this, to something that seems right. Now we come to the portion of scripture and here's what David wants. David looks at the tabernacle and says, man, that thing's worn out. I'm living in this place that's got everything nice. I mean, it's nice, nice. 
I look at the floors and boy, they got that nice Italian marble. You say, how do you know that? I'm making it up. Hello. <laughs> I look at the walls and I'm looking at the, how it's all constructed. And boy, it's really nice. Why? Because I'm the king. I can get whatever I want. And then I look at the Ark of the Covenant and here what I see is that it's in this little tent back here and it's all messy and it's not nice and I'm feeling guilty because, hey, why should I dwell in this beautiful palace in the presence of God which is far greater than me? Dwells in this used tent. And so he has this great idea. But here's the problem. God says no thou shalt not can i stop for a second because we're human because we're simple we struggle you want to know why you struggle because sometimes not now looks like no to you i can't i, I wish i had a crystal ball man I wish I could tell you, hey, what's your future held? I wish I could do that, but I can't. Neither can you. And so when we don't get it now or it doesn't open up, Brother Lucan, sometimes we think, okay, God must be telling me no. Wait, wait, wait. It may not be no. It may be not now, but you can't tell that. But what's amazing about David is how David responded. I'm going to give you, hopefully, three principles, okay, that will help you properly respond when God tells you no, or can I say it this way, when it looks like it's no, okay? Three principles. You say, what are they? Let me give you number one. Look with me back in verse number four. When God says no, how should we properly respond? Number one, look what verse number four says. David, or Nathaniel says to David, the preacher says to David, he says, go and tell David my servant, thus saith the Lord, thou shalt not build me a house to dwell in. Number one, David acknowledged that God's plan is better than his plan. David acknowledged that God's plan is better than his plan. Now stop for a second. Humanly speaking, you may be here and you're like, well, you don't understand. I know this situation better than anybody else. I know this individual. I know what's best. And let's be honest, I don't know your situation. Pastor Lucan may not know your situation. Brother Beal may not know your situation. And you may be the individual that knows your situation the best. But there's a problem. God is omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. He knows the beginning from the end. He's the alpha. He's the omega. Now get what that means. So he sees something that you do not see. Now watch what happens. Most people, when God tells them no, here's what they do. They sit and sulk in their despair. But I want to show you something. You know how I can prove to you that David 
accepted that God's plan was better than his plan? Turn with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 22, real quickly. 1 Chronicles chapter 22. David proves that he accepted God's plan by being faithful to God, by preparing for something he would never see completed. Let me say that again. David proved that he accepted God's plan by preparing for something he would never see completed. First Chronicles chapter 22, verse number 14. Look what your Bible says. It says, now behold, in my trouble. If you're a highlighter, highlight those words. In my trouble. Look what your Bible says. I have prepared the house of the Lord in a hundred thousand talents of gold and a thousand thousand talents of silver and of brass and iron without weight for it is in abundance. Timbers also and stone have I prepared and thou mayest add thereto. Moreover, there are workmen with thee in abundance, hewers and workers of stones and tempers and all manner of cunning men for every manner of work. Of the gold, the silver, the brass, the iron, there is no number. Arise therefore and be doing and the Lord be with thee. David also commanded all the princes of Israel to help Solomon's son saying, look at verse 18, very important. Is not the Lord your God with you? And hath he not given you rest on every side? Stop, stop, stop. Rest on every side. Well, they have rest stops outside Israel? No, 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 no. Enemies. Right? Have they not given you rest on every side? Keep reading, keep reading. For he had given the inhabitants of the land, the enemies, into thy hand, and the land subdued before the Lord and before his people. Stop, stop. Do you know how much a hundred thousand talents of gold is? That's 3,750 tons of gold. Here's my question. Where do you pick that up at? Walmart? Do you realize a thousand thousand talents of silver is 37,500 Tons of silver? Where do you get that from? Here's what. David went to battle. You know where he got 3,750 tons of gold? Here it is. He decided to be faithful to what God said by proving, watch, I'm going to pull up my boots and I'm going to be faithful to him even though God told me no. Here's what most people do. When God tells you no, you know what we do? We kind of like have a pity party. God doesn't love me. Does God love you? He doesn't love me because you know why? God told me no. And why? Here's what we do. We kind of suck our thumb. And we get this little pity party going on. And we're like, oh, my God. I was going to do this. This is what I was planning to do. God told me no. I'm just going to. Wait, 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 wait. 
We don't see David doing that. You know what David does? He says, in my day of trouble, man, I'm pulling up the boots. I'm bringing up the boys and say, hey, it's time to go to battle. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What is the first temple known as, class? What? You mean David doesn't even get a tag on the pew that says, in memory of David? What's up with this? I mean, David's doing all the work, right? We don't see David moping. We don't see David complaining. No, what do we see? David's pulling up his bootstraps and saying, you know what, God? If you tell me no, it's okay. I'm just going to be faithful to you, whatever you desire for me to do, because God's plan is better than my plan. And let me tell you, that's hard. You know why it's hard? Because you think you know more than God. You think you could figure out your life. You got your life all planned out. And God says, oh, no, you don't. You ain't got no clue. You hardly even have the right thought, be honest with you. And David's saying, well, but God, God, listen, this is a great idea. I want to build you a house. I want this thing to be a nice place. And David could have easily sat in his little palace and started sucking his thumb because he didn't get his way. But we don't see that. He acknowledges that God's plan is better than his plan because he goes to battle, get this, on something he will never, ever see completed in his life. Hey, can I challenge you? Nobody likes to be told no. Nobody does. You didn't like it when you were two, okay? Remember those days? Some of you are still there, okay? I get it. You didn't like it when you were 12. You don't like it at 22, and you won't like it at 52. You won't. Why? It's your sin nature. But I find, listen, if you're going to properly respond to God, here's what you got to do. You got to acknowledge it. You got to get it from here to here. That okay, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know why you're bringing this into my life. I don't get it. I don't see why it's even happening. The dots aren't connecting. But God, listen, I'm just going to stay faithful to you even though you've told me no. Number two, go back with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 17. 1 Chronicles chapter 17. Pick up with me in verse number 16. 1 Chronicles 17. Look with me in verse number 16. Now, up to verse 15, this is the preacher, Nathaniel preaching. Now we get to verse 16, it's David speaking. It says, and David the king came, notice this phrase, and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? Art number two. Second principle that David acknowledged and practically applied to his life. Can I say it that way? You do have to acknowledge it, but you do have to apply it. It's not only that God's plan was better than his plan, but number two, God's presence was better than his denial. God's presence was better than his denial. Now look what your Bible says in verse number 16. And David the king came, notice his phrase, and sat before the Lord. Now, here's what I find. Brother Hanky. when you have this dilemma, when you're at this crossroad right here, you got two options. You can sit in the midst of the problem or you can sit in the midst of his presence. 
But when you sit in the midst of the problem, hey, why is God telling me no? Here's what often develops in your life. Unforgiveness. Jealousy. Envy. Can I help all them young evangelist majors? Listen up. You're going to look at guys that come through this place and you're like, man, Lord, that's me. That's me. I'm going to be up there in four years. I'm going to graduate and Brother Bill's going to be calling my name. He's not going to call your name. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to struggle. Like, Lord, what's wrong with me? Why, why does God ever want to use me? And you're really going to struggle because, listen, it's not easy. It's not easy. And there's going to be temptation where you're going to be like, I'm just going to throw up my hands and say, you know what? It's not, I thought I was supposed to be an evangelist, but obviously I'm not making it. So you know what? I'm just going to give up. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know what your problem is? You're sitting in the midst of the problem. You've said, it's not that important that I sit in the midst of his presence. Now let me tell you, David didn't do that. Matter of fact, go back with me to verse number, verse number seven because you're going to start seeing what David starts to understand when he's sitting in the midst of his presence. You say, what are you talking about? Look with me at verse number seven. Look what your Bible says. Now, you don't get this if you sit in the midst of the problem, but if you acknowledge that God's presence is better then your denial, boy, you, you're about to see some things that are going to be unbelievable. Look what your Bible says in verse number seven. Now, therefore, thus shalt thou say unto my servant David, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coat, even from following the sheep, that thou shouldest be ruler over my people. You know what the Bible says? God says through the preacher, Nathan, yes, God told you no. But David, though God told you no, get it, David, you were a nobody, and you become a somebody. Remember the story of David? Go to the house of Jesse. Here comes Samuel. Woo! Man, I'm going to anoint the next king Saul's done, washed up. All of a sudden, he sees the first one. Man, he looks tall, strong. That's got to be it. God says to Samuel, no, that ain't it. The next one, oh man, he's a good looking guy. I bet you he could put some charm on. He'll be able to win the people over. Samuel says, God says to Samuel, nope, that ain't it. Next one, oh boy, I tell you what, we go through the list and he's like, man, that guy's really intelligent. He's got a mastermind. He'll bring Israel back to being the victor. God says to Samuel, no. Goes all the way through the list. He turns to Jesse and says, hey, Jesse. You got anybody else? Oh, yeah, I got one more. That little redhead in the back, he ain't worth much. Fair skin. We don't really even count him part of the family, but he's out there. He's with them sheep. I'll get that. Get that. Sam says, well, bring me to him. And so sure enough, come and, and guess what happens? You know that nobody? You know, the one that was dealing with the sheep? By the way, that's not real impressive material right there, okay? <laughs> Guess what he became? The ruler. Became a somebody. Look at verse 8. 
Look what he says in verse 8. And I have been with thee whithersoever thou hast walked, and have cut off all thine enemies from before thee, and have made thee a name like the name of great men that are on the earth. Get this. He says to David, yes, David, I told you no. But David, you were a nobody, and I'm, you became a somebody. He said, you were defeated, and you became the victor. Look at verse number 9. Also, I will ordain a place for my people Israel and will plant them and they will do, shall dwell in their place and shall be moved no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness waste them anymore as at the beginning. Hey, you guys were on welfare, but now you live in the land of milk and honey. Now get this, get this. You know what God was doing? God was bringing David to the remembrance of all that he has done for him. But it gets better. You say, what are you talking about? Look at verse 11. And thou shalt come to pass when thy days be expired, that thou must go to be with thy father, and I will raise up thy seed after thee, which shall be of thy sons, and I will establish his kingdom, and he shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. Get this, David. Yes, David, you, I told you no, but David, get this. Your seed, and I'll become sovereign. This is the Davidic covenant. Now, understand what I'm talking about. David doesn't receive all this information by sitting in the midst of the problem. You know where he gets all this? He gets all this information, he gets these reminders by sitting in the presence of the Lord. You say, well, preacher, I'm struggling. I'm not saying you're not struggling. You should be struggling. Your sin nature doesn't like to be told no, okay? But when you sit in the midst of his presence and you say, I'm not gonna sit in the midst of the problem. I know the problem's there. It's a reality, but I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna focus on this. Then here's what's gonna happen. Look at David's response. Look with me in verse number 19. Oh Lord, David speaking, for thy servant's sake, and according to thine own heart, thou hast done all this. What's that word, class? Here's my question. When's the last time God told you no and you called it greatness? Keep reading. In making known all these, next two words, class. When's the last time God's told you no and you've called it great things? Say, preacher, I haven't. Can I tell you why? Because you've been sitting in the midst of the problem rather than in the midst of his presence. Humanly speaking, I will not call it greatness. I will not praise the Lord when I'm told no. You won't. You say, well, I've got enough discipline. <laughs> Just wait. You get tired of that discipline. And you'll run away from God. You'll graduate from Ambassador Baptist College. By the way, this has happened throughout all the years of this school being in existence. Because you got these people that think, hey, I can live the Christian life on my own disciplines. <laughs> you run out. You run out. 
But when you sit in the midst of his presence, oh, let me tell you, it's like you get refueled up. It's like now all of a sudden you're running on nitrous. Why? Because look at what God has really done for you. I mean, you, you were a nobody. You became a somebody. You defeated. You became a victor. You had nothing. And now you live in the milk, the land of the milk and honey. You had a, a seed, but now your seed is going to be sovereign. That's why David responded with greatness. Let me give you the third principle. We'll be done. Look with me. Verse number 23. Therefore now, Lord, this is David speaking, let the thing that thou hast spoken concerning thy servant and concerning his house be established forever and do as thou hast said. You know what that tells me? David said, yes, sir. All right, Lord. Not my desire, but Lord, I, I'm going I'm to accept it. Look at verse number 25. For thou, O my God, has told thy servant that thou wilt build him a house. Therefore thy servant hath found in his heart to pray before thee. And now, Lord, thou art God. Notice this next phrase. And has promised this goodness unto thy servant. The third principle that David acknowledged and practically applied to his life so that he could properly respond to God telling him no is number one, God's plan is better than his plan. Number two, God's presence is better than his denial. But number three, God's promises are better than his desires. Did you see verse 24? He said, verse 26, I should say, and now, Lord, thou art God and hast promised this goodness unto thy servant. You know what David was saying? Lord, I sure had a desire to build you a house. Lord, if I do that and not get your promises, it's not worth it. Because your promises of forgiveness, Psalms 130, verse 3 and 4. Your promise of peace, Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. Your promise of direction, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Your promise of help, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Your promise of being sovereign, Romans 8, verse 28. They far exceed my desires. Hey, can I tell you? I'm not saying that your idea, your good idea is a bad one. I'm not saying that. But sometimes... God says no. Last winter, we get home around Thanksgiving and we stay home till about February, usually. Though January, I'll be with you again, so you have to put up with me twice, okay? And so I was home with my wife around Thanksgiving and my wife, she loves to cook and boy, we, I love when she cooks, Amen. And she was making some stuff, and she brought out the old food processor. Now, our food processor looks like it came from the 70s. It's that smoker lounge yellow with those, like, brown knobs on it. You know what I'm talking about. Your mama's got one. 
And so she was chopping up some nuts. I don't know what she was doing. She was doing something. And all of a sudden, the food processor went out. She's like, oh, the food processor, fruit processor went out. And boy, I was going to make this pumpkin roll or something like that. And all of a sudden, fellas, you ought to pay attention to this. When your wife has a kitchen tool that dies before Christmas, Amazon. <laughs> I thought, hey, I'm going to pay attention to this. And while she was talking about it, I was looking on my Amazon account. And I'm like, I'm going to buy her a food ninja. So, man, I was dialing up my wife while she was talking to me about her food processing. And, man, I bought her a food ninja for Christmas. And, boy, she loves it. I love it. But you know what's interesting about the food ninja? This thing slices. It dices. It does everything. Do not put your fingers near it. It will take care of your fingers. And so, man, you put these Objects that you would never, ever think inside this thing. And you mash that button, and man, things started going flying. I mean, make sure the cover is on or else you're going to be covered. You know what I'm saying? It's like 900 horsepower. This thing could pretty much cut gravel, I'm pretty sure. And so, man, you're shoving stuff in this thing. You're thinking, I'm looking at my wife and saying, baby, that, are you sure it calls for that? Because like onions and like sweet stuff don't seem like it matches for me. She's like, it's what the recipe says. I'm like, okay. And so she gets this stuff all together. Get this. And when she's done with it, I'm like licking the inside of the thing. It's that good. But you know what I found? God is a master chef. Man, he opens up his food ninja. And he takes all the no's that he's brought in your life. And all the not now's. And all the yeses. And man, he puts them things in there. And you're looking at that thing saying, that is going to be absolutely terrible. That is going to be the worst thing ever. And when he's done with it, you're going to be licking the bowl. Why? Because that's what God does. God can take the no's of our lives. He can take the yeses of our lives. And he can take the not now's of our lives. And as a master chef, he can put it in the food ninja. And boy, he can make it something that you never thought you ever could enjoy. But you know how that works? You got to properly respond to it. And when you apply these three principles, you know what you'll find? It's good. Now, it may not look good. It may not even smell good. But it tastes good. Can I challenge you? It's tough. Why? God's told me no. And I've had to apply this to my life just like you're going to have to apply it to your life.